scripture this morning comes from John 6, 25 through 34. When Jesus had found him on the, <laughs> when they had found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, where did you, how did you, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For, for on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they ask him, What must we do to the works of God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one who has sent. Then they ask him, What sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. I, the last service I had, the one I just came from, it was a lot of fun. We, uh, we had the communion you had last week, this week. And if you weren't here last week to have communion, you missed a neat commun- communion time. Um, we talked about this year at that church, and uh, it was exciting. It, it really was. I, I, I'm not... I don't know why I'm feeling the way I do. I mean, the Lord God speaks to us in many ways. And, and so, so you're going to have to pray for me as I share with you what. This is a completely different scripture. I usually use the same scriptures, but this is different. And Jesus is, he's on the other side of a lake. They will say rabbi. They're calling him rabbi. It was sarcasm. You all know that, don't you? You didn't know that? Make fun of him. Because they don't believe him. The people who ask him that want to kill him. You all understand that, don't you? Matter of fact, they're making plans to do it now. But Jesus doesn't care because he came to die. You with me? Jesus came to die. And the reason he came to die was because you and I had sin and death in our life. And we had no way to pay the price for it. That price goes back to Genesis chapter 3. Before Genesis chapter 3, the world was righteous. It was the image of God in his creation and his powerful work. It reflected him in every way. And when Adam and Eve fell and God cursed it, the world was no longer righteous. It was fallen. That's why it says he's going to condemn it and destroy it and burn it. 
later on in Scripture. That's what he says. So the world's not getting any better. So that really means that we who love, who really love Jesus, who are willing to follow him no matter what that sacrifice means. You with me? And we live in a pagan world. From Wall Street to Africa. From China to South America. Both polars, North and South Pole, are pagan. Has been and will be until Jesus comes and destroys it. Now, why do I say that to you? Because the church is screwed up. Excuse me if I'm not supposed to say that. But they are. The church thinks that, that they have this really neat thing going on. And they do with Jesus if they love Jesus. But we have allowed the pagan world and its philosophies to enter into it and influence it in such a great way that it has become unaffected or effectual in its relationship with the people they live with. People pass by us every day that are going to hell, and we don't even notice it. When was the last time you were at a sporting event and you looked at the 60, 70,000, sometimes 80,000 people and wonder how many of them are going to go to heaven? Do you ever think about that? I was at a Clark County basketball game Wednesday night and he, and they the JVs won. Did the varsity win? I don't JV's won. They did, didn't they? The varsity won? Okay. Surprise. Oh, never mind. But did you look? There wasn't a lot of people there, but did you stop and think about how many people are going to go to heaven? How many people even care? That a, do you know that there are more people that don't believe in God today than believe in God? Did you know that? And the greater percentage of the world is so pagan that they worship demons. So the vast majority of all human beings which are created in the image of God are going to end up in hell. We have allowed the influence of the pagan world to influence our medicine. And I'm not talking about pharmacies. Do you know that, that it, there are some colleges 
that teach shamanism as a form of healing and they give a degree for it now? Did you? How many people? Do you ever know? Yeah. Oh, but do you know what the acupuncture is, don't you? You know that's a pagan ritual, don't you? Oh, I've never said this, but listen. If you've had acupuncture, it is Mike Dean's opinion that you need to ask God to forgive you and break the power of any curse that is passed from Chinese mysticism to you. Hello? That's where it came from. And us Westerners think if we put it in the classroom, if we put it in the classroom, we take the mysticism away from it. Hello? We don't. Well, nothing else helps. Well, let me tell you one of the credos of the, the, the world of sin. The world of the devil. The credo is, I will make you feel good and I will pretend to help you so that I can get you into greater and greater and greater bondage and cut you off from the living God so that I can destroy you because I hate the, I hate the creation of God. I hate it. That's the credo of the world of darkness. Drunkenness, where does it begin? It began in a pagan religion. They drank strong drink. Illicit sex, it was in paganism that it happened. Goddess Diana, uh, not Zeus, he was the pagan god. Might as well get it off my chest. Do you know they, they talk about sex trafficking, trafficking and, and all these famous singers and all these famous Christian uh, organizations say, yeah, we're standing against it and, and we go and we get these people out. And, and It's not sex trafficking. It is prostitution. It is a sin. And these people are forcing these people to live in sin. And when you are in prostitution, you are in spiritual bondage. We are so pagan that the Christian community will yield to the world's philosophy. Boy, I'm something wrong with me this morning, Dave. Pray for me. <laughs> You think, do you think this is new? No. Romans chapter 14, the Apostle Paul is debating with people whether or not they should eat meat to, to sacrifice to idols. He said, if you love Jesus Christ strong enough, you can eat what is sacrificed to an idol and it won't affect you. Paul never said there's no effect. 
Paul said it depends upon the strength of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But he says if you're eating with somebody who does not have a strong faith in Jesus Christ, don't eat meat to idols because it will infiltrate them. I don't hear any amens. I'm yelling today. I hate sin. Do you know how? See, if I preach about the enemy, you'd all have to leave. Is there a door open and closing? Was that the Lord coming? I hope he. Praise God he's here. I, I would yell if I preached about the Do you realize he hates your children so much? He will lie to them through the internet in ways that you're not aware of. He will tell you that the lifestyle you're living right now that you think is okay, he lies to you so he can separate you from God. He destroys us. So in verse 25, they say, Rabbi, how'd you get here? Did you take an Uber to get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed. Does Jesus know the hearts of all people? He's now telling, he's now telling these people that what they think they believe is not really what they believe. Do you see that's what's saying? Look what he's doing here. He's saying, you think you're looking for me because of the miracle. Now you're not looking at me. Why? Because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. I do drugs because it makes my anxiety go away. I drink because it loosens me up. I cope with the world better. You do those things because you tell yourself that. It's not. It's because you're self-centered. That's paganism. Do you understand that's what paganism is? And that's what we're dealing with. And when we walk out that door and go into that world, you need to understand something. The world hates Jesus. And he hates you. And he hates the Jewish nation. I love it because Jesus came from it. Let's go to verse 27. Listen to what he says. This all has to do with what he says over here um, in verse 35. And, and I didn't even have him read that because I don't want you to read it. You already did, but don't. He said, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. No matter, you work, you work uh, 40 hours a week, you need to work, and you work hard, you, you work long hours, maybe you work 80 hours a week, I don't know. There are some weeks I, I work that much. 
He says, don't work just, just for food because it will spoil. My job at my house, one of my jobs that I, when we buy hamburger because somebody in the house likes cheeseburgers, we buy big packages of hamburger. And one of my jobs is when it comes into the house is to break it down into littler packages because there's only two of us there. Okay. Do you know hamburger needs to be put in the freezer or, or it'll do what? Spoil. You have to throw it out. Give it to the dog. Doesn't it? Sure. Well, I forgot. The last package of hamburger turned brown. Well, you can still eat hamburger when it's brown. Do you all know that? But then it started stinking. And then you got to throw it away. Well, if, if you're a bean counter, that's a person who counts every bean. And you look at the cost of hamburger now, you know how much it is? It's quite a bit. What's that? More than beans? That's funny. And you begin to see how many hours you had to work to buy that six pounds of hamburger. That's what he means. It spoils. He also is in reference to the desert when they gave him manna and Jewish people tried to save some for later, like for a nine o'clock snack before they went to bed. He said it's spoiled. Because he wanted them to know that they need to work for food that he that endures to eternal life. You know what that is? Snow's coming off the roof. Or they're throwing baseballs outside towards us. He goes, which the Son of Man will give you how hard do you work for food that spoils? And how lazy, da- lazy, what? Lackadaisical. See, Jeannie didn't want to come out until the meeting, so she'll be there for the meeting. Lackadaisical are we when we pursue God. For on him, God the Father has placed the seal of approval. Now, now let me share something with you. That, that is a, a biblical, spiritual statement that you'll read it and you don't understand. What does it mean God gave Jesus a seal of approval? Do you know he said the same thing about us? Remember what he said our seal of approval was? Anybody know? Holy Spirit, didn't he? Didn't he say that? And when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist and he came out of the water, 
What came down and rested upon him? A dove, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the seal of eternal life. And when he judges you and me on the great white throne of judgment, what will God look for? The seal of approval. Because the seal of approval is only given to human beings when they repent of their sins and ask Christ to come and live in their life. And live a repentant life and constantly die daily as Paul taught us. Well, they, verse 28, they ask him, what must we do to do the work that God requires? They're used to the law. Let's be fair. The law says you can only do this and you can only do that. You can't, in, in uh, Luke chapter 6, they're talking about showbread and, and they complained because they were uh, eating grain on the Sabbath that they picked in the field. And, and there was things you do and things you don't do. And he says, what is it? Did you know the church does that? You, you, need, to, you need to be in church every Sunday. You need to read your Bible every day. You need to pray every day. You need to give so much money to the church. You need to do this, and you need to do... I could go on and on and on. You, there are some denominations there. You, ladies, you can't cut your hair, and, and some denominations that say your hair, your your clothes needs to be a certain way. It just goes on and on and on. You understand what I'm saying? And that's what they're saying. What must I do to do the work of God? Jesus answered and he said, the work of God is this. Believe in the one he has sent. You know, I know about this much about Jesus Christ as a Christian. But do you realize there is this much more? that I need to believe about Jesus, I don't yet. What? You, you mean there's more that you don't believe about Jesus than you do believe? Yes. You think you know it all about him. I've known Jesus Christ since 1973. Seven, the end of 72, the beginning of 70, beginning of 73. I took about every Bible class you could take at Huntington College. I was coming down to my senior year, and I had to take another class because they didn't offer any other Bible class except Hebrew. I ain't taking Hebrew. It's a tough language. You all can handle it. I couldn't. But there's still things. I went... uh, in, in 1976, I went to Roddy Hospital Center to pray for a baby. And I've told you this story over and over again. Why do I do it? Because it's amazing. Because there were things about God I didn't know up to that point. And I went down here and said, he said, Mike, rebuke a spirit of cancer. I said, what? 
rebuke a spirit of cancer and ask God to heal this little baby. You know, to this day, I can't remember that baby's name. The family was a young family that had come to Loon Creek where I was preaching and the baby got cancer, leukemia, and they were in Riley for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and, and, and they got the news from the doctor that the baby was dying and within days the baby would be dead and they're keeping the baby alive to study the progression of leukemia, leukemia in that baby and they can see what it does to ravish the body. That's what they were doing. They were doing an experiment on these people's baby. Does it help other babies? Yeah. But God told me to rebuke a spirit of cancer in this little baby. Mom was crying. Dad was crying. Firstborn child. Firstborn. <laughs> Nine months old. It laid there. You know, when a baby's asleep and he would lay there, his hands, I can't even get my arm back there, laying like this, and he's, his legs were open, and the, the, he just laying there. Had two other elders with me, and we go in, and they put the sides of the, and I lay hands on the top of him and on his chest, and, and I'm praying, and, and I don't get dear Lord out. And the Lord says, rebuke a spirit of cancer. Again, he was afraid I'd forget. He knew me. I'd never seen Jesus heal somebody from cancer. I've seen other people since then, but not everybody I prayed for was healed. That's another lesson I learned. And all I said was, in the name of Jesus, I bind and rebuke a spirit of cancer, and the baby jumped. Scared me to death. See, when God, when God teaches you a new truth about him, an awesome truth, that alcohol and drugs and sexual promiscuous cannot, it can't give, I'm telling you what, it shakes you up. And you never forget it. I won't, I'll shorten the story. Next morning, the mother calls in tears. She's hysterically crying. And she says, they cannot find a cell in the baby's body at all. The baby is healed, declares the doctors. The doctors. Uh, there's one. Praise God. He doesn't heal everybody. The other lesson he taught me was he doesn't heal everybody. He didn't heal my father. He didn't heal my mother. I, I prayed and anointed my mother I don't know how many times, and the Lord took her home. So I learned God takes home who he wants to take home, and God leaves who he wants to leave. That's up to him. I can't tell him what to do. So I learned to believe something different about Jesus Christ. Do you see what I'm saying? My job is to believe everything there is to believe about Jesus Christ. 
not about medicine, not about science, not about technology, not about the world. My job is to learn, no matter what it is I do, whether I dig ditches, clean out garbage bins, and I've done that, I've done the other. My job is to believe in Jesus Christ and to tell other people about him. Have you ever witnessed to a state road crew, road crew? You ever witnessed to them? Hardest people in the world. Most of them are alcoholics. Very few, if any of them are married or on their second or third wife. Some of them come out of uh, mental institutions. I mean, I learned something there I didn't know before. How hard are you working on to be, on believing in Jesus? How hard are you working on that? Or do you think you know it all? <laughs> I don't. I have the potential to know whatever God wants to teach me because the Holy Spirit lives in me. Dave's been to the Bible college. They, they knew a lot, but not enough, right? <laughs> I had great Bible teachers. So I'm going to move down here so we can... Verse 34. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. They still don't understand what I'm saying. He knew they'd say that. Because why? They were self-centered. Now, let's go back to the first part of the message. We are infiltrated by the philosophies of a pagan world. Pagan worldly philosophies. And we believe that what we believe is okay. Jesus says our job is to believe in Jesus, everything we can learn about him. And then they say they think he's talking about bread. Why? Because they don't want to have to buy bread again. And the bread they buy, they want to buy this bread. We Give it to us. Give it to us. And Jesus declared. That's this verse. This is why he says this verse. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never, ever go hungry. That's why in World War II, when they captured uh, Christians and imprisoned them and kept food and water from them and only gave them enough to keep them alive to torture them, that's why those people who came out from that said it was God who kept them alive. He says, I'm the bread and life. You hungry? You spiritually hungry? You physically hungry? I guarantee you, he will feed you. 
if you want to be fed. They take away your land and won't let you be a farmer. Jesus will feed you unless he wants to take you home. Is he interested in your theological beliefs about God? No. He wants to know if you know Jesus. Because if you know Jesus and you pursue Jesus Christ, guess what? He's going to nurture you. But as I told you in verse 36, you have seen me and still you do not believe. The church is a mess because it believes the philosophical things of the world. Where do you find it? YouTube. That's where you find it at. He says, I have given you the truth, the Bible. The Gospels, I've given you accounts over and over and over. You've seen the resurrection. You say you believe, but you still do not believe in Jesus. I'll be honest, I have children that struggle with this. We taught Jesus at the supper table. We taught them when I was teaching them sport and Jeannie was teaching them to sew and, and teaching them to cook. And, and when we laid down with them, and I mean, when we lay, laid them down to sleep, we prayed with our kids clear up through high school, whether they wanted us to or not. We prayed with them. Still, they, they don't believe. Do they understand God? Yeah, they know yeah, there's a creator, but all those the Father gives me will come to me, and and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Somebody says, Well, that's proof for once saved, always saved. That is not proof for once saved, always saved. He'll never drive you away, but you can walk away. If you've been in ministry for almost 50 years, you'll know that. You'll know that. Look, she found kids outside. I could continue this. I can't. I don't have time to finish it. Will I come back to it next week? I don't know. I yelled enough at you today. I'm not yelling at you. You've never seen me. Anybody here ever see me coach basketball? I'm always yelling at the players to tell them what to do. Block out. Hyperindex your finger. They know what that is. I teach them what that is. Rebound. This is basketball. You yell louder when you play football. They're further away. Girls softball. Don't I yell when I coach Brianna? Yep. 
There's a really funny story, but I won't tell you right now because it would take too long. So 2024, will you guys, those of you who are playing games and are acting like you love Jesus and you believe in him, you're just pretending so you think people around you believe, think you believe in Jesus, stop it and pursue Christ. Okay? All right? Is that right? Just stop it and pursue Christ. Is the band, they're not here, but it, are they out in the field somewhere? What's that? You know, the Apostle Paul teaches. <laughs> he, said, he said, I will tell you the same thing over and over again. It's a safeguard for your mind. See, the mind, the soul, and the will, and I talk about the, the soul of man. The mind is where God comes in and, and processes truth to you. Now, now that's a good phrase because it's important. He comes to the mind and processes truth. Now, why is that important? Because the mind is exposed to information that it needs to be made sense of, that if you do not let God process the truth in you, guess what? You're going to be confused, listen to lies, and do the wrong things. Okay? That's so important. Because there are a lot of people sitting in pews that the truth is not being processed in your mind. Did you know that's why it says in the last days it will be an information age? Well, we're, we're here. That's why your children, that's why children of believers find it harder and harder and harder to believe in Christ in a practical way because there is so much information thrown at their minds that it confuses them. Thanks for finding them, Mike. I didn't know where they were, and you brought them back. <laughs> Caleb, are you, are you going to play? Or Yeah, I stopped once, didn't I? <laughs> the leadership's having a meeting. Um, it's going to be a good meeting. And do you all just pray for us? Because we really need your prayers that we'll have God's wisdom to lead the church. And uh, it's valuable that the church prays for, prays for the leadership. And, and the Rogers, is, Amy's sick, so we need to pray for Amy. Pray for her this day. We will at the leadership meeting. Let's stand. In verse 41, Jesus says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Jesus came from heaven. Just like the bread, the man of bread. Please 
Please pursue him. Please. That's beseeching. You can call it begging. Father, bless these precious people. These people love you. Your spirit dwells inside of them. But we get distracted by all the stuff that goes on in the world. Lord God, just bless us. Let us do your work. That's to believe in you. We don't have to worry about anything else, do we, Lord? When we believe in you, you tell us what to do, and we will do it. If we, fear goes out the window. Our knowledge that we don't have, you'll fill with your truth. And all that other stuff just is really nothing. Because we believe you. I believe you can heal cancer. I believe you can heal schizophrenia. I believe you can heal OCD. I believe you can heal blood, high blood pressure. I have seen you do all these things. I saw you heal a woman's arthritis in her back so she could walk by herself again. I saw that. I saw you, Lord God, when this woman lost her myelin through abuse of her father. Her myelin just disappeared because of the attack upon her. And she, had to, she walked with two canes. And it came to the point where she had no but one little cane to walk with. You could heal people. You changed my stubborn heart, which was probably harder than all the rest of that. Just bless us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. If you need prayer this morning, we'd love to pray for you because we believe God changes people. 